Welcome to this edition of Development Matters, the London International Development Centre podcast series. I'm Sarah Hambly, Communications and Public Engagement Manager at LIDC. This podcast considers interdisciplinary research on current development issues, and today we'll be discussing the importance of creating links between agriculture, health and nutrition. Despite significant increases in agricultural productivity in the past 50 years and falling food prices, Hunger, malnutrition and poor health are persistent development challenges. According to the WHO, almost half a billion people are underweight and 155 million children were chronically undernourished in 2016. At the other extreme, excess food consumption has helped trigger global epidemics of overweight, obesity and food-related chronic disease. As a result, Regions worldwide face rapidly rising burdens of disability and death. It's widely acknowledged that the agricultural and food systems can play a pivotal role in promoting more nutritious and sustainable diets for populations all over the world. As such, the agriculture, nutrition and health sectors can work together to enhance human health and well-being. What's more, commentators have called for disruptive methods and tools to evaluate the impact of agricultural practices on nutrition and health. In this podcast, we'll examine why it's important to create links between agriculture, health and nutrition. We'll also explore the work of innovative methods and metrics for agriculture and nutrition actions, AMANA, a research initiative funded by the UK Department for International Development, DFID, and coordinated by the Leverhulme Centre for Integrative Research on Agriculture and Health, ELSERA. In the studio with me today, I have Dr. Sunitha Kadiala. Associate Professor in Nutrition-Sensitive Development, London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, Principal Investigator Amana. We also have Elizabeth Hull, Senior Lecturer in Anthropology and Deputy Chair of the SOAS Food Studies Centre, SOAS. Sunitha, Lizzie, welcome and thank you for joining me today. The agriculture sector presents key opportunities for improving nutrition and health, as well as livelihoods yet it's not always been given due attention. Why is this important? Well, I think it's, uh, first of all, it's important for the reasons that you've already just outlined, the scale of um, the scale of ill health under and over nutrition around the world, um, not to mention the impacts on the environment, suggests that we're, we're currently dealing with a food system that is, you know, is, is failing uh, a large number of people. Um, and so it's important for that reason primarily. But you also mentioned their livelihoods. And I wanted to say that the livelihoods of people working in the agriculture sector um, are often overlooked when we talk about agriculture and health. I work in South Africa among small scale farmers. And there we found that processes of trade liberalisation and the removal of subsidies have meant that small scale farming livelihoods aren't really viable for many, many people. So when we're talking about agriculture and health, we have to bear in mind livelihoods as well as the nutritional status of consumers around the world. Thanks, Lizzie. Recent reports indicate that both the World Health Assembly Global Nutrition Targets and the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals will not be achieved unless there is a step change in our response to malnutrition in all its forms. Sunitha, what can be done? Thank you, Sarah, and thank you, Lizzie. Um, As Lizzie said, agriculture is the key source of livelihoods and employment for people in most low- and middle-income countries. The 
potential for agriculture sector to Im- impact the conditions in which people live and the scale at which it can reach is enormous. Probably there is no other sector that can reach as many millions of people and determine how they live um, and, and the conditions they live in than agriculture sector. And there has been an increasing recognition of this in the last, I would say, about eight to nine years. And since that recognition, especially since the world food price crisis, there has been a renewed attention on agriculture and what can it do for uh, for nutrition and health. And a lot has been done since then. A lot can be done and is being done. And that's the good news. There is now a tremendous momentum to make agriculture for nutrition. What does that mean? It means that agriculture needs to incorporate explicitly nutrition goals and indeed gender objectives a priori across policy and operational levels. So it's not good enough to just do your job well. That is super important. But we also need to get um, a one layer deeper and and explicitly incorporate nutrition objectives in that. Inevitably, when you want to incorporate nutrition objectives at all these levels, you would immediately in the context of agriculture and nutrition have to include issues of gender and gender dynamics and dimensions, parity, so on and so forth, into the agriculture uh, sectoral goals itself. Now this is being termed as nutrition-sensitive agriculture, and this is basically what I, I explicated. These can include making nutritious foods available, physically accessible and economically affordable, but it also means that creating opportunities for women to to access various agricultural and resources as well as health and nutrition resources. Thanks, Sunitha. How can we improve communication between the nutrition, agriculture and food sectors? I think communication is really important and it's fair to say that we've for a long time often been bogged down in this quite a siloed approach so that within government and within research, um, agriculture and health are dealt, dealt with in, in, in separate departments. Um, but, uh, but more so, I think we have to recognise, as Sunita's touched upon, um, the potentially different agendas driving agriculture, um, which aren't always geared towards nutrition outcomes, um, changes in, in, in agriculture have, you know, largely been driven by the profit and accumulation strategies of the agro input and agro food industries. So to tackle, to tackle this issue, we have to recognize, um, the skewed power dynamics at play and to try to, um, introduce nutrition sensitive um, policies requires addressing that central imbalance really within the within the food industry. Amana's objective is to accelerate the development of a robust scientific evidence base to guide changes in global agriculture and food systems to feed the world's population healthily and sustainably. Could you please explain what this means Sunitha? Right. Uh, thank you for that question. It is indeed a jargon-ridden field and a complex field. Um, as both Lizzie and I mentioned today, uh, the linkages um, between agriculture and nutrition are quite complex and they are dynamic. And there are various trade-offs in making choices. So in the early part of this decade, there has been quite a lot of momentum in understanding, okay, what is it that we know between agriculture, the linkages between agriculture and nutrition? And very quickly, the research as well as program policy communities felt that we do not have enough metrics. By that, we simply mean ways of measuring things or methodologies to be able to understand, you know, the, these relationships 
and the changing nature of those relationships, as well as the trade-offs that we are making, and policymakers to understand various scenarios they have in front of them to have make choices. So what Imana is simply trying to do is to contribute to that agenda of better indicators, better metrics, better methodologies, so that we are able to measure, track uh, the linkages between agriculture and nutrition, impact of some of these policy decisions on nutrition outcomes, as well as other outcomes on agriculture outcomes, women's empowerment outcomes, and also understand what um, what are the best case scenarios, uh, including cost effectiveness and economic consequences of some of these decisions. That's where Imana is contributing so that we have a more robust scientific evidence base. So our research portfolio has catalyzed uh, this whole, the research community uh, over over and beyond Imana on, on really taking into account why we are measuring what we are measuring and how to best measure it. And the research community behind this is now very large and are very committed. Great, thank you. One of Amana's three work streams is the ANH Academy, a global research network in agriculture and food systems for improved nutrition and health to serve as a platform for learning and sharing. Every year, the ANH Academy runs a research conference. What have been some of the key takeaways and can you tell us about the next year's conference? Oh, great. I'm happy to talk about the NH Academy. You asked Lizzie a little while ago, uh, how do we communicate better? And the ANH Academy, which is the Agriculture, Nutrition and Health Academy, is really a network of global researchers and practitioners working at the nexus of agriculture food systems and its linkages with nutrition and health outcomes. So there are various disciplines that are working in it, not just nutritionists like me or anthropologists like Lizzie or several economists at SOAS or other other institutions around the world, all several disciplines are and and researchers from very across the world and sectors are working on this. How do we learn from each other? What, for example, what metrics or methodologies exist in climate science that I I as a nutritionist could engage with so that I understand the role of say climate smart agriculture in enabling both better agriculture productivity as well as nutrition outcomes. That is, that touches on a wide discipline, set of disciplines. So Agriculture, Nutrition and Health Academy is trying to bring together this community of researchers who are experts in this particular field, but engaging with another field, or uh, and also early career researchers who would be, who are interested in this topic to learn and share from each other. So that is the ethos behind the Agriculture, Nutrition and Academy. And we have had a tremendous response, both from global experts in their willingness to share and learn from each other, but also to to engage with early career researchers, take time during these five days of the Agriculture, uh, Agriculture Nutrition and uh, Health Academy week to, to engage with them and to inspire them and to share and learn from them as well. The next ANH Academy uh, week, it's a five-day event, is going to take place in India. We are considering Hyderabad as a venue. And uh, again, um, we would love to have wide uh, range of participants in this. The registration will be open soon. Okay, looking ahead, what does the future hold and what more do we need to do to enrich discussions across agriculture, nutrition, health? 
Lizzie, would you like to start us off on that? Well, I think, as Sunita said, a lot has already been done and it's it's really exciting time in research. And for instance, the Agriculture, Nutrition and Health Academy that Sunita's just been talking about has, has been exciting, particularly because the places that we've held it in, in Ethiopia, in Nepal, um, in Ghana and next year in India, have attracted a lot of, uh, a lot of expertise from within those countries and, and drawn people in who are actually working to tackle um, problems locally. And I think that's a really important connection to make between your people that are working kind of a global scale trying to think through these issues and those who are actually tackling problems on the ground. So we need um, avenues and and spaces for for, for people to come together um, in that sense. And I think also there's a need to for, for researchers to reach out to a broader field uh, within civil society, you know, we face a what some scholars have described as a, a democratic deficit. It's very, very challenging to tackle some of the power inequities within the food system. So we need to address that by reaching out to civil, you know, people within civil society, whether they are activists or NGOs or people people working in various uh, branches and within government to start to make um, demands to create shifts within policy for the interests of of improved health, uh, nutrition and environmental well-being as well. I agree with Lizzie and I think we are in a good good situation, a more hopeful situation than I would say 10 years ago in terms of denial about the scale of agri- of, of uh, nutrition, environmental degradation, climate change, spread of infectious diseases. Somehow as humanity, we thought we have addressed much of that or making rapid progress. We have made progress in some ways and not so much in other ways. And there is, at least in some quarters, I wouldn't say everywhere, but I think we are making inroads in understanding that patchy progress that we have made so far. So there is now an increased recognition that unless we we engage the agriculture sector and the nutrition environment um, health and um, and many other sectors that touch upon those sectors we will not be able to have a well healthy population which is the underpinning of all human societies we will not be able to have a healthy planet in which human societies live so I I, I I think there's quite a lot of recognition among the donor communities, international agencies, civil societies, even several governments, and definitely among the academia. So I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to be working in this field and being a part of this journey. Thank you both so much for joining us today. This podcast will be posted on the London International Development Series Centre website, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you.